The Outskirts of Faith podcast is brought to you by Monkey Nut Audiobooks. Creating audiobooks, podcasts and voiceovers that keep people listening. Hello and welcome to the Outskirts of Faith podcast, the podcast for everyone. Welcome if you are joining us on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, wherever you are, you are in the right place. This is the podcast for you. It's a podcast with conversation that's been going on for around 2000 years and the source of that from the dawn of time. Let's see what's going on on today's episode. Sometimes we need to forgive ourselves when God has already done it. When I get into a situation where the world squeezes me, what comes out of me? God is slowly transforming us to be in the original image he intended for us. I think when I first became a believer, I remember people telling me that it's about a living relationship with God. I'm very excited to be joined by a friend of mine today, Steve Holloway, lovely guy. Now, a very talented guy. He's an author of Pelagia, Between the Stars and the Abyss. Great book, go and check it out. Author as well as working in a Christian charity, working with community development, leadership, medical areas, something which would be best coming from Steve himself. And also, get this, a specialist in marine farming. Steve, you are very, very welcome here. Hello. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I feel like we could just spend the podcast talking about all of this. So, um, first of all, congratulations on your book, Pelagia. I, oh, thank you. It's uh, fantastic, both the, the print and the audio version. And, oh, and the audio well. version is very nice. Oh, well, I'm really, really glad that you like that. And I wanted to talk more about, because I don't, I don't feel like I should just do a throwaway of like a Christian charity working in community, community development leadership. Could you just tell us more about the work you do, please? Yeah, I, I consult for different projects in the Indo-Pacific area. Uh, a lot of my specialty is on an ugly little animal called a sea cucumber. A sea cucumber. Their sea cucumbers are related to starfish and sea urchins and mm, sand dollars, things like that. They're echinoderms, and you might ask, why would somebody raise something like that? It turns out that the Chinese people love to eat them. So if um, they have a feast, if they serve something like sea cucumbers at their feast, it's like us serving caviar. Oh, really? So it's a high-end thing, uh, and they have all kinds of Chinese medical things that go along with it that it lowers blood pressure. Is that or, proven? To them, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, I, this is just what they say. Wow. And, see, um, see yeah, and they go for a good price. But what we're doing is that we work with uh, artisanal fishing villages in Indonesia right now, for example. And uh, in these areas, uh, because of the high-intensity fishing going on around the world, mm. a lot of the commercial fishing stocks are collapsing. And so these people that are already on the poverty line are being more and more desperate to catch smaller and smaller fish. And when that happens, then the fish don't grow to reproduce and uh, maintain the, the population. So our project, it's, um, it's different from most community development. It's uh, what they call a social enterprise. So it's based on a business model. And uh, we work with the villages to um, raise the sea cucumbers, and they get part of the profit for it. So profits from the company, it's a nonprofit, but it, the profits that come out of the sea cucumber sales go and in, are invested in social capital. 
So, for example, uh, some of the profits help fund a marine protected area. I see. But I could go on and on, but I won't do that. But Are we finding there's a lot of demise because of all this extensive fishing that's going on? Yeah. Um, a lot of the commercial fishing species, like cod or some bluefin tuna, many are uh, being pushed towards being put on the endangered species list. Mm because of the overfishing practices. The fishing intensity is taking more fish out of the ocean than can be reproduced. So yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a downward spiral, but there is hope. I mean, there's a lot of uh, countries uh, like the EU, the North America, and others who have set really good um, fishing protocols that have allowed these uh, catches to become sustainable. Wow, it sounds incredibly interesting. It incredibly is, interesting. I feel very privileged to do what I do. That's lovely. Tell us more about the Christian charity work that you do. Well, we uh, we are part of a, a coalition of uh, Christian charities that work together uh, in many parts of the world. Um, we do a lot of, um, we try to do development in ways that really get traction. And of course, what motivates to do it is our faith and our, and following Jesus. We have different projects all over the world, I think. Probably. Are, they, are these projects that you're doing, are they working alongside people who you know, or are they people who might be on the other side of the world you've never known, but you feel like you've got a relationship with because you've all got a similar love for something? Yeah, a lot of our people that go into these kind of projects, they, um, they actually come from different parts of the world. So we have North Americans, Europeans, Africans, Asians, join our teams and learn the local language and build, live in the local communities, build relationships, and serve the people, bless the people. But out of that, they find ways to share the hope that's within them. I say that's, that's wonderful. Wonderful. I, I wish you the very, very best. Thank you. We're talking about the outskirts of faith. Now, we've had many conversations and I feel like I've, I'm just touching on it, but I feel like I also got quite a good idea of your faith as well. And I love the conversations that we have, and I love the way you approach your faith as well. I, I genuinely do. But I'm wondering, have you ever found yourself on the outskirts of faith in your life, or have you witnessed people on the outskirts of faith? And what does that look like? Yes, uh, we have. My wife and I and our family, we also lived in many parts of the world. Uh, we lived in villages and learned the local languages and build relationships. And um, uh, some of the best years of my life were doing these kinds of things. But in terms of that, I have a lot of stories and probably too many stories to tell here. But a couple come to mind. I'll, I'll, tell, Thank you. I'll tell you. I mean, one time I was visiting a friend that had a project up in northern India in the Kashmir area. And uh, we are up walking in the foothills of the Himalayas. And as we, were, we walked across this meadow, there was a tree. And under this tree was a, an extended family. You could tell it was like the patriarch and then a couple, probably several generations. And so we walked over and we were talking to them. We noticed that the patriarch, his head was, uh, it was like it was bashed in. And he looked like he wasn't quite all there. And so the guy I was with, uh, the leader of the project, he, he asked them uh, what had happened. And they said that uh, when the man was younger, he had a run-in with a bear. And the bear had hit him in the head. Goodness and, 
He actually didn't die from it. He survived it, but he had this kind of concave area of this head, and he was never the same since. So my friend said, well, do you mind if we pray for him? And uh, they said, why, sure. And you could tell that they were surprised. Uh, there were these foreigners, and they were offering to pray. So they, we did. We prayed for this man, and then we went on our, our way. A couple years later, I was in, the, in Srinagar, the capital of Kashmir, and I was walking in the old city, and this young man came up to me. He says, oh, you're one of those people. And I said, which people? Well, I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago, you met my family under a tree, and you prayed for our grandfather. And where was this again, that when you re- when you re-saw them? Kashmir, which is in northern India, the capital city is Srinagar. And how far was this away from where you first met them? It was just in the foothills around Kashmir. Okay. So it's all part of the Himalayas Interesting. things like that. Anyways, he said that uh, he told me that his father was healed, and he had come back into his right mind— and they they said it was because of our prayers, which, well, me of little faith, it shocked me. Uh, but it was a, an amazing story. The, the man died about a year before this son talked to me. So it was only a short time. But they were just amazed. And so I, it gave me an opportunity to share about why we prayed and who we prayed to and where the power came from. Do you know why I love that you, I'm so grateful that you shared that story. Thank you. It's because I think if you're, visiting, let's just say, the New Testament for the first time, mm. and you hear about these miracles, some people may find it a bit difficult. Mm. You know, they might find, well, you know, I want to believe that, but it's a bit difficult. But it's amazing what you can do in prayer in the name of Jesus. And to actually hear a story of that happening in today's day, yeah, it's just wonderful and it just says, I just want to say a great big amen because it, what it does, it, it for, the, for those who are struggling, it can mm. give strength to, look, do you know what? It happened, it's real and look what we can do mm. through the power of prayer. Do you agree with that? I do. And um, we've lived among Muslims many, many times overseas and a lot of times people like to approach Muslims with apologetics or polemics and things like that and it usually only makes them better Muslims. Well, we found. So, what what do you mean by that? Sorry, when you say about apologetics, that you know, arguing our faith against their faith. I see. You know, trying to find arguments to put down their faith and put up our faith, or, oh, right. or that oh, kind okay. of thing. So, but we find probably the quickest way to. Uh, well, we found as we prayed for Muslims is prayer itself. And I just listened in on an earlier podcast you had, and how people are often just touched by somebody praying for them. Yeah, And then God often uses those prayers in amazing ways. And I have to say, and I'm not sure why this is, but um, in many of the places that we have worked and many people in our organization work, we see a lot of people who meet Jesus in dreams or visions or voices or um, we see we hear about healings and deliverances. These are things that you read about in the New Testament, but as you say, you know, we don't see it so much here. But we do see it on a lot of these places. Now, I'm not sure why that is, but it's just so exciting. It is exciting. And I feel like if you're, when you're, if you're listening to this podcast, just to put it out there, that prayer can be your thing. It's mm. like if you go on Google and you write, 
how do you pray, then, you know, I've, I've actually got it down here somewhere. You, you may get a whole list, like, no to whom you are speaking, thank him, ask for God's will, say what you need, ask for forgiveness, on and on and on. Do you know what? I want to say it can just be to yourself, quietly. If that's what's right for you, you just say, Father, I want to chat. And just reach out and develop that prayer because it is amazing what the power of prayer can actually do, even just by starting with a whisper. That's or right. even because God knows your will, he knows your heart before you know it yourself. That's right. So if you are new to prayer and you think, well, do I, you know, well, I remember at school, I put my hands together and I bowed my head. Do you know what? Well, that's not how I do it when I'm making a cup of tea in the morning. If you feel like someone needs prayer, you pray for them your way. That's right. Even if it's just, God, I think that person really needs some help. And God sees into our heart, and he knows the intent of our heart. Mm. So no matter how we pray, he uses that intention. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Isn't yeah. it exciting? It, it is exciting. Like I feel like it takes so much pressure off. Yeah. You know, it takes so much pressure off. Do you know what I did? This was either yesterday or the day before. I actually said, Lord, today I don't know how to pray. I said those words. Sorry, I feel... <laughs> I feel emotional. I I did I because I wanted to pray. I felt like I needed prayer, mm. but I didn't know how to pray. I don't know if maybe I, I didn't feel worthy of the prayer at the time I, or whatever, but I said, I don't know how to pray, but I just need you. And you know what? <laughs> I felt better, yeah. you know? So okay. it's different for everybody and, and at different times. Would That's you agree right. with that? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Nothing else at its very core, it has to be authentic. Yeah, right. It has to come out of your heart. And just a, a genuine discussion, relationship with God. Absolutely. Now, I have asked you to bring some scripture with you today. Yeah. Would you kindly read us what scripture you brought with you? Tell us what it is and why you chose it, please. Right. And actually, it's a good segue from what we've just talked about here. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah. I'll run with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the one I brought was, um, here, I'll just read it and then tell you where it's from. Great. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That's from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6.4. Can I just explain as well? 6.4. Yeah. So if you're picking up the Bible for the first time, the 6 is like the chapter, Deuteronomy. So you'll see the big number and then you'll see lots of tiny little numbers. They're the verses. So when you hear 6-4, it's chapter 6, verse 4. So you've got the big number and then once you've got the big number, just look for the little number 4. Thanks, That's Steve. right. Carry on. Yeah. And actually this verse has been with me for, mm, I think, since I first became a Christian. I remember being in a, in a college Christian group and they asked what verse I liked the most and it was this one. But the reason it stays with me is as I get older, the depth of meaning in this verse get peeled back like an onion, and then they go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's like kind of an unending onion, really. It just goes on and on and on. And I, I'll give you some examples. I think when I first became a, a believer, this was 30-something years ago, more than that, 40 years ago. Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I remember people telling me that it's about a living relationship with God. And I just love that idea. Yeah. But 
loving the idea of a living relationship with God is not the same thing as having a living relationship with God. And so over the years, slowly, I started learning how to practice the presence of God. So the Bible tells us that God is with us always, but we're just not always aware of him being with us. So this idea of practicing the presence of God and watching for him and starting to have these kind of authentic conversations in prayer. So not just praying to God, but listening to what God says in return. I think that's quite a difficult concept for someone maybe visiting that for the first time, Mm. especially in today's world, because it's very materialistic. Mm. You know, we like to grab something. Have we got the new this? Have Mm. we got the new that? But I wonder what you think to this, that a real feeling, a real emotion, like when when you love someone deeply, or if you had, let's go say anger, someone had anger deeply, that is almost like a firm substance. It's almost like it's something you can grab. It's quite Mm. thick. Mm. It's quite real. And when it comes to the concept of a living God, a God, a presence that's with you right now, that the more that you develop that relationship, I think the more it becomes thicker and stronger and like something you can hold. It becomes something really real, something that you can almost hold in your hand. Does that make sense? That's right. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I do. And uh, I think over time, God demonstrated his reality in my life and his love for me, that he really is a good father. And that doesn't mean always good things happen to me, but he always walks with me through them. Yeah. But as as time went on, I learned that also I had to start undividing my heart from different things that attracted me, things uh, that could be idols in my life, things that I would invest a lot of myself in. And over time, as this relationship with God grew, he wanted, he undivided, took away different things so I could Mm. focus more on him, our relationship with him. And then as I did that, the Holy Spirit, I realized the Holy Spirit, it's very subtle, during this time was taking more and more transforming my heart from the character I started with to be increasingly like the character of God. I haven't reached there, but it, uh, and so, but what helps me, a friend of mine, um, so how do I know this is happening? A friend of mine once said that um, to see our true character, it's not how we act, because we can act any way that we want before people. It's how we react, especially to hardship, especially to tough things in our life. That's when our true character comes out. Mm. And so, I watch when I get into a situation where the world squeezes me, what comes out of me. So, is it things like anger, bitterness, strife, things like that? Or is it increasingly things like the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, Can I backtrack a bit on that? Yeah. So you said about your true character comes out. Mm. And I feel like I kind of want to question that a little bit. Yeah. Because it may be your, the character that you're living currently, but maybe not necessarily your true potential of your character. So, for example, if someone responded with anger or, you know, a bit of road rage or 
or, or things like that, where it could be quite aggressive, mm. that is their character now, but not necessarily the potential of what their character could be. Right. Would you you agree with that? What I mean is, is that if someone's if someone's listening to this right now and they think, well, I just get angry all the time when something, you know, I just I just feel anger and everything like that. Where if we maybe like handed that over and they sort of developed that side of it, because I agree with you, by the way, completely yeah. in what you're saying. Yeah. But I just want to make sure that people hearing it are also understanding that if you're going through that and being that person, that not isn't necessarily your your true potential. That's right. Yeah, I think I think I took a lot, very long time to get to that. Point. No, no, I, I think you're right. And the way I think of it is that God is slowly transforming us to be in the original image He intended for us. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm certainly not there yet. I still, I I was a, a very young, angry young man, and God had to teach me a lot through the consequences of my anger and things like that. And so that kind of thing helped me understand much more of how the Spirit, how could things like gentleness and self-control come out of me? Do you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you here, that um, so like with myself, like when through the years of, I don't know, performing or in the studios, mm-hmm. whatever, people always saw me as like this kind of positive, mm-hmm. I think. But I was seeing a lot of stuff around me, which was really bothering me. And I would feel like, angry and I, I would found myself carrying it and it was so heavy and it would come out at times mm-hmm. you know not, mm-hmm. not in a really really sort of, like aggressive sort of way but you know in a not very nice way usually when I was tired you know that's mm-hmm. when it all sort of came out mm-hmm. but I have to say that with practice of of handing it to God and right. developing that it really does get easier it really does and I think that even now, sometimes I can kind of slip a bit and I think, oh, you know, I'm gonna, I, and then you have to, but you, you sort of have your your training that you come back and say, actually, do you know what, it's all right. And you see pe- things from other people's situations and you develop and you can actually send a prayer and you can send a bit of love. And, That's right. And it, it does help, doesn't it, Steve? Well, and, and I think it's also true that when we slip up and we get angry or we die, there's so many things that we do that are, fall short of the mark, as yeah. the Bible likes to say. Um, because God is always there, I can always rest in the fact that he loves me. Yeah. Rest in his love. Mm. So there's always an audience, and it's always a loving audience. Do you know, I just hope that people who are hearing this, if you're on the outskirts of faith and you're, you're just considering it, that you're hearing that for what it actually actually is, and you're not just thinking, oh, that just sounds like a nice thing. Because I'm telling you now, it is something that is real. It's something that's true. And it's something that you can just develop. And that relationship is real. It yeah, really is. It really is, yeah. Yeah. So every week we come to a stage of the podcast where it's one of my one of my favorite things, actually, because it's a always good conversation. And we've come to the time for... What, what does it mean? I really don't have a clue. <laughs> exactly. It's where we uh, address words which might pop up in conversation, but also they're words that may stop you having a conversation because someone might say it and you might think, oh, I feel like I've got something to say here, but I don't think I really understand that. Or, you know, you may have heard it in a church or you may have heard it and think, oh, actually, it's pushed me away from a church or a group or or just friendship or the talk because 
you may not know what it means. You may be a Christian and not know what it means. But I'm going to put a word to you, and I was hoping that you could explain it as best you can, and we'll see where it goes from there. So your word uh, for what does it mean is repent. What does the word repent actually mean? Uh, I love it. Thanks for giving me this word, and I love this word. Well, I would start with a parable, a story that Jesus gave about the prodigal son. So this was a young man who demanded his inheritance from his father before his father even died, Mm. which wasn't done then, isn't usually done now. Uh, But he then took that inheritance and squandered it on himself and wild living and things like that until it finally ran out. And then after it ran out, he found himself reduced to just taking care of pigs, feeding pigs, and being so hungry that he ate the pig's food with them. Mm. And it was at this low point uh, where he saw just the dark world around that was the consequences of his decisions. He realized that he could go home to his father and beg forgiveness. And repentance, the word repentance, is what he just did there. That he turned around from the life that he had and realized that he could go back and go back to the Father that loved him. And repentance, in its basic, the word that we use, repent, in the Bible, means to turn. And in the old Hebrew, it even means to turn back home. And so that's what this young man did. I didn't know that. He, I didn't know. So, so in the Hebrew, it refers to going back home. Back home. I, I just that. learned that yesterday when I was looking this oh, that's up. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And so he goes back, and his father forgives him, and loves him, and gives him a life that is so different than what he set out to find. And so, as Christians, we often say that repentance is turning from the kingdom of darkness which is the world that's all around us that offers, we think, a lot of things, but then when we find out that it's, uh, it sours on us and we're ending up feeding pigs and eating pig food, we can make the decision to turn back to God. Yeah, that's right. And I think that um, we hear that, you know, God is sort of calling us home. Mm. And I think some people are like, what? You know, what, what, I, I live down the road and then, you know, yeah. in this in this house there. But... It's it's something that's the more you get to know God and the more you get to experience Jesus and certainly that feeling of the Holy Spirit. And I do urge you, everyone, just even if you do it quietly in, the, in your morning when you wake up, just invite the Holy Spirit. I've started doing it to the rooms in my house. I, seriously, mm. I think it's mm. so great. Mm. Is that um, it? you'll find that you can be living your, your life because when you turn to God and you come home, you, you can be on this earthly world, this mm. earthly life, and you have turned to God. You've gone home to God. You're saying, I'm coming home to God. And God's saying, well, do you know what? While you're living this life, you know, we're together now. We're a team. We're a family. Yeah, I right. love you. Let's let's do this together. So it doesn't mean you can't just enjoy your life and live live your life. But when you do it in partnership, in a relationship, That's well, right. it's pretty good. That's right. And when we go through this process of repentance, it reorders our whole world. The way we live changes. We focus on God, and he gives us new hope, new love, and access to himself. And I also think it's quite, I mean, 
if you look at um if you go to see a psychiatrist and you know we see it we see it on TV you know they got a sofa <laughs> and they put it up and what are they doing what are they doing they're, they're talking mm. and often they're addressing they're addressing things that have gone on or is always going on and, and everything and uh, it's a very commendable job and um you know some really great work gets done there mm. but isn't it great that you can turn to god that's right with just your those small things they never turn into big things and the nice thing about that is that god knows you already yeah you're, you're, there's nothing yeah. you're going to say to him that's going to surprise him i think it was carrie grant um She's got a book, uh, which I urge you to listen to if you're listening to this. It's, uh, it's, a, it's quite a short book. It's called The First 30 Days of Walking with Jesus. It's very cool. And she was actually uh, here. We were, we were in the green room and we were having a chat. And she was telling a story. And then she said that somebody was, you know, approaching God and saying, oh, you know, oh, this thing that happened. And God's like, what, what, why, are you, why are you still going on about that? Why are you still going on? I, I know you're sorry for that. You've already said sorry for that, you know, and I know your heart, so I know that you're sorry for that. So let's move on. It's already, you know, it's already out of my mind. You know, it's already gone. Yeah. You know, that's a lovely feeling if you're truly sorry. And if you still feel you're holding a bit of it and you need to keep saying sorry for it, then that's okay. Some things just take time. Because sometimes we need to forgive ourselves when God has already done it. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also thinking about um, the repenting that, if you learn to repent yourself, this has just popped into my head now. Just if you learn to repent yourself, then you can also be seeing things from the other person's point of view as well. That's right. Which may allow you to be a bit more forgiving towards them. Yeah, I I, I grew up and I was angry at my father about different things, yeah. and then as I got older, I realized my father was a human being just like anyone else. Yeah, and I, it was easier to forgive him. And I also realized my part in it too. So, you know, it wasn't just a one-way thing. Yeah, yeah, I can identify. So where have you seen God working recently? You know, in this, in this, uh, the world that's going on, there's, um, we see we a lot of negative spoken about, you know, as people seem mm. to sort of want to know that stuff. But there is so much beauty in that as well. And sometimes it doesn't always look beautiful, but where yeah. have you seen God working? Well, um, in my work with the Christian charity, I oversee a lot of different projects and have a lot of different uh, friends in different parts of the world. And one of the things that we see that is uh, something you won't ever see on your evening news is this new phenomena of uh, movements to Jesus in Muslim countries, among Muslim societies. Mm. It's actually unprecedented in the world. A friend of mine who has been researching this says uh, between the time of Muhammad until now, there were maybe three movements in history, I mean, until the 70s. And then from the 70s to the about 2000, there was 60 of them, and now there's something like 400 and something. So it's gone from almost nothing to quite a, a thing going on. And, and I think one of the questions that might yeah. come up is... Um, well, first of all, if you're a Muslim, probably the worst thing you can think of would be to call yourself a Christian. And there's a whole reason behind that. Uh, so there's a lot of hostility towards the Bible. Uh, all, they, they feel that it's been changed and things like that. 
However, the way that God is doing what he's doing in the Muslim societies is he's breaking into Muslim lives through things like um, like the healings like I was talking about or yes. deliverance or things like the dreams and the visions and, and that type of thing. And these displays of power tend to validate the message and the messenger of people who are sharing from their hearts. And so we find, I mean, Iran is a, is a great example of people look up what's going on in Iran in terms of Iranians following Jesus. It's an amazing thing. But it's just one example of many, many others going on in the world right now. I see your point completely. I, I also think that within Christianity, is quite, it's an accepting religion as well. Mm. It's an accepting faith. Mm. And I, I don't, I, I have, I mean, I've got friends of all, all different religions, like same as, same mm. as you yeah. do. Yeah. And it's lovely just uh, hearing them speak of God because I'm there and I'm thinking, yeah, I, I relate to God, you mm. know. But what I find, and we've had this chat before, Steve, is that we are so young following the, mm. the Bible, mm. you know, and how important it is to follow the work of the um, apostles. Mm. And, you know, if you think less than 2,000 years ago and then 2.8 billion Christians now, mm. that is very fast. Mm. And that is continuously growing. Mm. That is continuously growing because we're at, in many ways, the I, I think, and please feel free to challenge me on this, but we're at like almost like an infancy stage of this. So I'm not surprised hearing these stories that mm. you're saying mm. because I think there's going to be more of them yeah. and more of them, more of them, because this love, and I want to stress that, this love is spreading. It's a tidal wave. And I really feel right now with what I hear about different people doing things around the world and just spreading this love. Love is infectious. And do you know, as I always say to people, even if you're not a Christian or you're on the outskirts of faith, or even if you're not on the outskirts of faith, you could do a lot worse mm. than living like the first couple of commandments. Yeah, uh, right, that's right. That, that was taught to us and following in the footsteps of Jesus. You could do a lot worse than that. That's right. And many people are finding that, I think, the gospel's growing faster and many or the kingdom of God is growing faster in the world probably today than any time in history. And again, that goes against what you hear on the news and that type of thing. But we have a kind of a unique perspective where we see all these things going on that maybe it's good that they don't make it onto the news because there's Oh, I completely agree. I, I I laugh at this actually sometimes because some people say, Oh yeah, you know, that church is a bit quieter now and Everything like that. I'm like, well, yeah, that church there, you know, where they're singing around an organ and that kind of vibe in that area, which has adapted mm. and grown and has got a different type of clientele now. Yes, that's gone, gone a bit quieter. But you know what? <laughs> you know, just down the road, there's the church where there's the full band and the rocking <laughs> guitars and they're, they're singing louder than ever. Right. Um, you know, but mm. people don't necessarily see that. So we have now come to the time, and I'm, I'm loving this chat, by the way, Steve, oh. but we've now come to the time for Splat the Nat. Now, just out of uh, curiosity, do you know that voice? I don't. No. You, do, you don't know that voice? Let me play it to you again. Splat the Nat. The narrator of Plagia. 
Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the narrator okay. of your book. Because he's, uh, I mean, and you wouldn't recognize it because you must listen to Steve's book. It's just incredible. And um, I actually had the pleasure of producing this one at Monkey Nut Audiobooks. And uh, it was great. He's such a talent. Oh, my goodness. Chris, oh, he did a Ashman. great job. Oh, such a talent. But I just said to him once, I said, oh, I want to do this thing called Splat the Gnat. I was like, could you do something? He was like, what, like this? And he just recorded it and sent it to me. I was like, that's perfect. Thank you. Um, but... The whole point is that we carry things. Everybody carries some things and mm. sometimes it can get a bit too much. And we've mm. actually put up a wall in front of us yeah. to get on living a love-filled day. And we can take that. We can, And what we can do is we can like a, we can sort of swat that gnat, you know, that gnat that just keeps flying back in your face that we can't get rid of and make a big fuss of. And we can hand it to God and say, you know, you just help me deal with that. You just take that and, and I'll know that that's in good hands and we'll deal with that together. And it really, really does help. And I, I'm just curious, with so much going on in, in the world, if you could splat a gnat, what would that gnat be? What would you hand up to God and say, let's deal with that? I, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, the weapons of the enemy of our soul primarily are fear, trying to intimidate us, or deception. Oh, Interesting. Lies. I mean, he's called in the in the Bible, he's called the father of lies. And I think that one of the things he does is that he seduces people into believing lies. And you're referring to like the evil one. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And uh, if I were to splat something that would have a far-reaching effect, it would be his ability to spin lies. I think I would agree with you. One of the things that Definitions I like of humility came from C.S. Lewis, I think. He said that humility is merely the ability to see things as they really are. And I think the enemy of our soul tries very hard to help uh, to make us not see things as we really are, as God really is, as people really are. So, for example, if we like somebody, we only think about the good things of them. We right. don't like somebody. We only think about the bad things of them. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, if uh, but most people are just a mix of everything. Yeah, I certainly am. <laughs> yeah, well, me too. Yeah, I, it's it's funny because you mentioned earlier. I can't remember your exact phrasing, but it's quite you know Satan, and we got to lose the whole you know little horn being here. Yeah, you know, right. just think of it as like the, like a very strong power, a very strong source, a very that can jump over you here. It feels powerful. Mm. It feels unstoppable sometimes. It feels like it can really weigh you down. And I can't stop, you know, think about, say, like bad things or, or anything like that. But you know what? I'd say right now, in the name of Jesus, it's got no real power. Because darkness can't survive in the light, right? That's right. And uh, one of my mentors was a man named Dr. Charles Kraft at Fuller and one of the analogies he used to give, he, he does a lot of kind of healing prayers, deliverance prayers with people as a ministry of this kind of thing. And he says that, God, when we align our hearts with him, we give allegiance to him, so we're part of his kingdom, and he's our Lord, then God gives us authority. And he says that, unfortunately, a lot of times Christians 
you know, you think about these old westerns and somebody's walking down the the street and, you know, all the bad guys are coming out. And I wish I had a button that went, do Yeah. And they come out and they start beating the guy up. And, you know, he has two guns strapped to his waist, but he doesn't use them. Yeah. But we have the authority to say no to the enemy and ask God to take the power of the enemy around us away. Well, that's splatted right there. Yeah. Thank you so much, Steve. Now, I, um, as always, we like to do a sort of quick fire round at the end. I've got three questions for you. Okay. All right. And uh, some of them may be harder than others. We actually had our, our first three out of three recently. Yeah, I witnessed it. That was, yeah. that's, a, that's a tough act to follow. Yeah, absolutely. But... I have to say, and I'm not knocking that three out of three. You know, you, the, the trophy goes over there. But, um, you know, some of them may be harder than others. But the whole point is, is that we are learning together, That's you right. know, and you may be hearing things for the first time. And it may just mean that, you know, if you're in conversation, you may, and you want to have a conversation with a Christian or, or you want to go to church, something like that. It may just give you a couple of points that you may... Mm. want to feel comfortable with mm. or talk about. Okay, so I will play it. Uh, I'll ask you the question. I will play a little soundbite while you're thinking about it. And then when that's finished, if you could give your answer as best you can. Thank you very much. So, true or false? 50-50. Oh, got to get it right. Good, or pressure on. Yeah. John the Baptist wore clothes made of goat hair. True or false, John the Baptist wore clothes made of goat hair. True. It's false. It was camel hair. Oh, how picky. <laughs> I, I, want, I want my money back. <laughs> it says here, uh, the World English Bible translates the passages. Now, John himself wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. A lot of people do that now with the camel hair coats. I, I don't know if I should be laughing at you here or if this is true. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. when you you got one of those faces, right, where I look at you and I'm like, you, you're so intelligent that I feel like whatever you say, I feel like I'm just going to go with. If you were like, do you know what? I was walking with my levitating shoes this morning. I'd be like, good for you. <laughs> you know, okay. Well, okay. Sorry I give that impression. But All right. Go. Here we go. All right. All right. That was just a little fun one to start off with that. Okay, uh, number two. Question two. Which member of the Jewish ruling council came to ask Jesus questions at night? So that is, which member of the Jewish ruling council came to ask Jesus questions at night? Nicodemus. Nicodemus. That is absolutely correct. Um <laughs> Sweat on the floor. Uh, he was a Pharisee and a member of uh, the Sanhedrin mentioned in three places in the Gospel of John. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 21, he first visits Jesus one night to discuss Jesus' teachings. I mean, wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the wall? Yeah, I would. Yeah, it would have been a great conversation. Because what a massive, you know, imagine like Nicodemus there and he's, he's hearing about, there is somebody here, you know, doing these miracles and doing these teachings and, and talking about this. And it's like, and then to actually go. And what would it have been like for Nicodemus to actually do that, to, to actually walk forward and have that conversation? Well, he did it at night. That tells you something. It certainly does tell you something. <laughs> so what was Nicodemus feeling? And was that planted by God to be a trigger of something, you know? 
Yeah, who knows? But who knows? I, I think, I mean, he was obviously was impressed by Jesus, the fact that he would take a risk like that and go talk to him, yeah. even though he did it secretly. Absolutely. Well, worth exploring that. John yeah. chapter 3. Okay, so question number three. Uh, name the two Old Testament people who appeared when Jesus was transfigured. Name the two Old Testament people who appeared when Jesus was transfigured. Moses and Elijah. That is absolutely correct. It says here in Matthew chapter 17 that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up a high mountain. He was transfigured. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus. What do you think about that whole section in, in Matthew chapter 17 there? What, what's it's, the relevance of that? Uh, well, it's a fascinating thing. And I don't know, I'm often puzzled by that. That's why, just so you know, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I think partly uh, those were two, Moses was, of course, uh, where the laws came from, and Elijah was one of the most powerful prophets. Uh, and so I think it was a validation of Jesus, kind of like the father saying, this is my beloved son. But I often wonder, now how did they recognize they were Moses and Elijah? Right. I don't think there were photographs in those days. No, no, that's right. So, but that's perhaps when those strong feelings come in. Mm. I mean, if you mm. imagine that God can can plant uh, an, an image, that's right, and yeah. a seed in your heart, and something quite clear like this is what you should be doing, yeah. then I kind of don't doubt that. You know, when when I yeah. whenever yeah. I this is me personally, you know, and you know, feel free to write to us podcast at outskirtsoffaith.com about this, you know, and, and slate me for it. But do you know what I do in times like that when I don't understand it? I think to myself, well, do you know what? If you grab a seed and you throw it on the ground, I know there's the scientific way of how, how that happens and they can explain it all, but I don't get it. I don't get how this seed can suddenly grow into something which can grow into, which can grow into life and give us oxygen, take carbon dioxide, but I need that that plant, that seed. I need that seed. You know, when I've got these, I can't explain, you know, I, I know scientifically and I know how it works, but you know, when a child is created and born and that feeling I get mm. when, when you hold your child, you know, and to a point when you see other people, like when you family member to come around with their kids or something like that, I look up a space. It's something I'm doing a lot at the moment, you know, on the clear night mm. and I'm looking at the stars I don't get it. I don't understand it. How is that possible? How is it that like like that? You know, it's like, and then the moon's there and Saturn's there and and that's there. I was watching Star Trek last night and it popped into my head as well on film four. And I'm like, I can't understand that. Yeah. But I know it's there and I know it's real. So who am I to question these other things that I don't understand? Well, and it's also good to know that we give a lot of authority to science, but there's so much science doesn't know. And one of the things... Science, that should be on a t-shirt, by the way. Yeah, well, it should. Uh, I'm a scientist myself, and um, I'm often amazed just how little we know. And one of the big mysteries is that science cannot answer yet, and I doubt it ever will, is what actually is life. Mm. We can describe life. We can describe how a seed grows and things like that, but it doesn't know what life really is. Yeah, that's right. I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep. I'm, I'm yeah, going to plant sorry. a seed with you here for us to have a conversation and another time about this because I know this is right up your street. And I was at, God, I sowed a seed. Like, I must tell Steve about this thought I had. And 
I think somebody was talking about life on other planets and and things like that. And I was suddenly thinking to myself, okay, so Earth and everything that's going on here, was Earth, this little pinprick, deliberately placed where we are so we are safe and protected whilst we are growing Okay, just because we are we are like light years away from a lot of things, and you know to to get there we're gonna have to learn some pretty interesting scientific stuff to to go out and explore further. But are we? We'll have this chat one day. Are we specifically placed in a place of safety to some degree? Can I say one thing to that? Yeah, go on. One of the big puzzles that they've discovered in cosmology right now is that the universe is so finely tuned to have life happen. And it's amazingly different things that if they were just a little bit out of tune, it would there'd be no life. There'd be no you and I, there'd be no earth, there'd be no I mean, but it, that's a discussion for another day. We can have that chat and Steve, you should start a podcast. You really should. Steve Holloway, thank you so much for joining me today on the Outskirts right. of Faith podcast. Uh, before we go, I was wondering if you'd like to um finish with a prayer and I'll just join oh, in at the end. Yeah. Thank you when you're ready. Well, Lord, thank you for being a a good father to us all, even though the times when we feel like the world is very hard on us. Lord, uh, in our very depths of our soul, you're always there. Mm. And Lord, I just pray that those listening would open their hearts and listen for God. He always wants to talk to us. He always wants to be with us. He always wants to love us because he's our father. So, Lord, thank you for Elliot and the work he's doing here and, and for our studio audience. Uh, may the Lord bless you. Amen. Amen. And, Lord, um, bless Steve and all the wonderful work that he's doing in your name um, around the world. And uh, just to be with him and use him so you shine through and reach out to others that they may feel you just like that gentleman under the tree that time and that that miracle that day passed on to his family, which they were able to talk about it and talk to others about it so it may grow. So so people's journey to the kingdom of heaven just keeps growing, Lord. I really pray for our listeners. I pray for whatever they're going through today, that they may have your strength, your wisdom, your encouragement, and your love, that they recognize that love and hand it to you so that you're with them to help deal with whatever they've got going on today, that they may find you and tell others about you as well in jesus name amen amen thank you so much for joining us today on the outskirts of faith podcast you are welcome here anytime and of course you can join us on our other channels like our instagram and youtube and tiktok and all of that just remember hashtag oof and search outskirts of faith podcast and you can email us podcast at outskirts of thank you so much for joining us I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Outskirts of Faith podcast. We would love more people to join our community. So please subscribe, share this podcast and join us on our social media. And of course, you can visit our resource website at outskirtsoffaith.com. This podcast was edited by Chris Byland, the YouTube video editing by Adam Moss, music by Matthew Salvage and hosted by Elliot Frisbee.